0: Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani, and I've got my guy, Ron, loose with me. We're about to crack him and get caught up on the Hawks. Ron, good to be back on the mic with you, my friend.
1: How are you doing this evening? I'm not doing too bad, man. I'm, uh, well, you know, just hanging out. And uh, actually very excited to finally kind of get to voice, you know, some of these uh, these transactions that have happened so far for the Blackhawks. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll save the the emotions and everything for for the episode. But uh, nonetheless, you know, excited to get back on the mic, not only with you, but uh, also talking some uh, some Blackhawks hockey. Yeah, absolutely. Ron, always a good time uh, talking hockey with
0: you, no matter when it may be. Um, Like you had said, uh, been a little bit been a. Crazy few weeks, uh, pretty busy over here at the ONTAP Sports Network. Um, but we're back, and we're going to break down all of the transactions to date um, from the start of the NHL offseason here. We got off season Ron in full form here. Uh, last time we were on, we discussed the draft. So if you want a breakdown of all those picks, go and listen to Season 2, Episode 1, uh, the 2020 Blackhawks Draft Special. We covered all of that in our previous episode. So uh, you can go and find all of that. This one is going to be called the Transaction Torrent, Ron, we were thinking of titles for this, and, and I was looking up because I kind of like to do the alliteration and a torrent definition that I'm going for here. It's a sudden, violent, and copious outpouring of something, typically words or feelings. Uh, I feel like we're going to have a lot of those tonight, Ron.
1: Yes, we are. There's going to be a lot of torrenting. On
0: this episode. (laughs) Yes, we are. Yeah, go ahead and torrent this episode, too, while you're at it. Uh, No, download, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, and give us a five-star rating and review. We'd appreciate that. Uh, Before we jump in, though, I need need to shout out the Parent Network. Uh, Four Feathers Podcast is presented by the ONTAP Sports Network. So for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, Go to OnTapSportsNet.com. We've got all teams covered there in a variety of different topics, fantasy sports, pop culture, music, all of that good stuff. So you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Pod and at OnTapSportsNet. So that does it for all the housekeeping here. Uh, let's dive right into the transaction. Torrent Ron, the heartbreaker to start things off. It was actually announced the day before uh, the uh, official you know, uh, NHL offseason started um, on that Friday. Uh but the Blackhawks announced that they were not going to re-sign Corey Crawford. So uh usually we have some notes in here. All I could muster up to put for my first bullet point, Ron, was big sad.
1: Very big sad. It just I think it really it kinda had that feeling, right? Of just kind of like like we've always kind of like it's a very kind of general thing, I guess, but kind of the end of an era. It really is. I mean Outside of that 2010 year with, you know, Nieme and, and Huey splitting the net, Corey Crawford's really all that Blackhawks fans have known in terms of goalies and net uh, since that 2011 year when he was a rookie. Um, you know, and now, you know, here we are in, in 2020. Obviously, this year has been brutal, you know, you know, the tragic passings of a lot of, of idols, um, you know, obviously coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. And now the Blackhawks not bringing back Corey Crawford. Just I don't know how 2020 can get any worse from a, from a sports fan. I, I'm not even talking like the rest of the world. 2020 as a sports fan has been such a weird year. So, um, yeah, I agree. Uh, definitely a sad day. Um, I think a lot of people, I, I at least kind of mentally prepared myself. I had a feeling it was coming. Um, so I wasn't as devastated as maybe if I was like totally out of the know and like, hey, they're probably not going to bring him back. Um, But even then, that whole day just scrolling through Twitter was just like, it literally was like, you know how the the old joke is of like flipping through an old picture book of like all Mm -hmm. the good old days? That's what it felt like that day on Twitter. Yeah,
0: it was like the Corey Crawford yearbook that day on Twitter. You're absolutely right about that, Ron. Um, and you'd said you kind of, you know, mentally prepared yourself. I did not. So this came as a big shock. Um, I was hurt. Uh, I drank a lot of beers in honor of Corey Crawford that night. I, I think we all did, whether you were expecting it or not. But um, just going back to that, you know, you had kind of hinted um, when we talked about our draft special episode. Uh, we kind of, you know, towards the end, we, we kind of previewed a little bit what we thought might go on, um, during the free agent period. And I was, you know, fully on board. I was like, yeah, it makes sense that they're going to bring him back. The familiarity, yada, yada. Um, sure enough, that wasn't the case. Um, and you had kind of mentioned a little bit about, um, there's, you know, the possibility that they might not, they might go in a different direction. Obviously, uh, that's what ended up happening. So I was crushed. To say the least, um, it is it was a tough day. Uh, it's still tough to digest. Can't believe he's going to be wearing a Devils uniform. Uh, signed a two-year Ugh. contract with them. Uh, or, or, you know, later that um, you know they announced that Thursday. So then, not uh, a little over 24 hours after that, um, signs with the Devils in the mid-afternoon um, during that Friday free-agent frenzy. So um, you know, it's tough, tough to move on. But if you want to reminisce on the good old days, um, obviously we we made some posts about it uh over at the four feathers pod uh both twitter and instagram pages um but our guy patrick comiskey uh, who unfortunately hasn't been able to be on the show in a while uh, because of his work schedule, but uh, he wrote an excellent article. It was titled from the bottom of Chicago's heart. Thank you, Corey Crawford. And uh, it's a tearjerker uh, for sure, but you can find that at ontapsportsnet.com. Uh, so go and check that out. So um, Ron, you know, like I said, uh, big, sad, was what I put here for the notes. That's about all I can really say uh, further than that. Um, We'll get to the implications for that uh, in the Blackhawks net coming up this upcoming season and the seasons to come, really, uh, with these next transactions. So let, let's dive right into them um, because this kind of transitions uh, nicely. Um, the initial signings, uh, we're breaking these up into segments here. The initial signings uh, for when the free agent period opened for the Blackhawks were Malcolm Subban, two years, 850K annual average value. Um, I, I thought this one was interesting, Ron. Because, uh, first of all, he's not good. Uh, I mentioned that on the last episode. You just go and look at his numbers. They're not good. He struggled behind a Vegas defense that was near the top of the league. Um, Only, you know, played, what, a minute and 15 seconds or something like that with the Hawks. Um, And you saw Crawford had to go out for, yeah. You saw all a minute and 15 of it, too. Yeah, I did. I was there in person uh, for that game against the Ducks when Subban did come in uh, while Crawford was, you know, they were checking him out on the bench for concussion protocol. But, you know, Crawford came back into that game. So Subban never got a look really in that. We saw him a little bit in the... Uh, um uh, what was that? The warm up game, if you want to call it, uh, before the qualifying round started up in the bubble. Uh, and yeah, sure, uh, the Blackhawks looked good that game, but the Blues were just flat. They were absolutely flat coming out there. So uh, I wouldn't put too much stock into what you saw from Malcolm Subban in that one. Um, but my my biggest gripe here, Ron, is when they made the decision to uh, you know not resign Corey Crawford, and they made the official announcement. Stan Bowman obviously met with the media. And this is his exact quote. I'm going to read it off here from Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times that tweeted this out. We've got some young goalies in Chicago that we believe in, in Likkonen and and Dahlia, that we haven't given big opportunity to. Uh, And then he also compared that after uh, to the situation with Crawford taking over the starting job in 2010. Well, Ron, in my honest opinion, if you're really going for the full suck mode this year, It seemed like it was, you know, after they pretty much announced that, you know, everyone was crushed uh, during that initially thinking about both, you know, going to miss Crawford and then the direction of the team going forward. um, Why not roll with that pair if that's really what you're about? Um, Instead, I I know maybe both of these guys aren't NHL ready right now, um, but Malcolm Subban doesn't really feel like an NHL goalie to me. So I I was just a little bit flabbergasted by the whole
1: situation, but I want to hear your take on it as well. So go ahead. No, I think you're I think you're spot on with it. Right. I mean. I, I agree wholeheartedly about what you said with Dealey and Lankin. And if if you really want to give these guys the opportunity, then why would you bring Malcolm Subban back? I mean, we, I feel like the collective we, and this being, you know, whether you're in the NHL or you're just a fan or you're somebody like us, you know, you, like you said, the numbers show that behind a, a very, very good Vegas defense, like arguably, you know, what obviously now they've signed Petrangelo, but outside of, that move when they still had Nate Schmidt and like, it was that group. Like that was the best defense that, that in the league that didn't have a superstar in it. Like they were just a good core group. And I think Shay Theodore eventually gets there as that kind of stud defenseman for them. But like you said, I mean, he had a sub 900 ERA behind that defense. Like ERA. we in baseball mode now. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I, uh, goals against that <laughs> yeah. or save percentage in that case, it's a save percentage. Yeah. oh I'm, a, I'm all over the place folks. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting couple of days. I got cabin fever right now. I'm, I'm on a 14 day quarantine, unfortunately. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm having a little bit of cabin fever right now, but, um, nonetheless, I, I really do maybe agree with you though, with what you said about maybe one of them not being NHL ready. I think, I think Lincoln and being the guy in Rockford could actually be a lot of good for him. Uh, I think it'll be him and, um kale morse who they signed to an ahl only contract uh the former notre dame goaltender so i think him and morse will split time and they'll give lankan and probably the heavier share down in rockford at least to start the season um and i think delia is the guy that's up i mean we we talked about it going into the offseason that he was the only goalie under contract beyond this season um and he still has i think you know two more years at a million bucks so he's actually the highest paid goalie in the organization right now um so it's wild that's what it is wild It feels like the Detroit Red Wings back in like the mid 2000s, like their goaltender was always making like 750 K because they were paying everybody else on the ice to, you know, play well in front of them. Um, But I, I really do think Delia is the one of the two that gets the opportunity. And if I'm being honest, if we had to put money on it right now, I'd be putting money on Delia to be your day one starter for the Blackhawks going into next season. Yep, for sure, Ron.
0: Uh, I'm totally with you on Delia being um, the guy uh, in in that because you saw during the 2018-19 season when Corey Crawford was dealing with concussion issues, um, Delia saw some time. I believe it was something like 17, 16 games. Um, So, yeah, very abbreviated. Yes, it was. But um, Hawks defense was still brutal then obviously it's been for you know a few years now but um, he, he showed some flashes of uh, real potential and uh, that was him with still uh, while he was developing and obviously he's still going to be developing at this level but um you know you probably would have in an ideal world still had him at Rockford for that full season He'd, you know not even have to use him at the NHL level but that was just the situation they were in so I would give the nod to him as well um, I like what you said about Lykanen, uh, if he's the number one guy uh, in Rockford that could do him well and i definitely uh, agree with that sentiment you know we saw flashes of it beginning of last year uh lankanen really hot Uh, someone asked me about the situation uh when i was just commenting it uh on it on twitter and um someone replied to me and asked you know i I don't really follow ahl goalies what what was the deal with them and i said you can basically flip-flop their seasons um last year lankanen started hot hot enough to earn an ahl all-star nod and i know that's not you know uh the, the you know it doesn't hold all that much weight, but that just tells you the level that he was playing at at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the season. But then he kind of tailed off and Daly got off to a slow start on the other hand, but then rose to the occasion at the end of the year and was undoubtedly their number one guy. So uh, I think when you're talking about readiness standpoint, Daly will be the guy there. Um, Only question I have is more for Rockford then at that point. Uh, You still have Matt Tompkins. I know you mentioned uh, the Mm -hmm. AHL signing uh, of Cale Morris from Notre Dame, but Um, You still got Matt Tompkins, and they signed him. Uh, I know it's pretty much for organizational depth, but still – Uh, you're probably going to be having that three goalie situation again in Rockford. So um, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, That's kind of where, uh, you know, not re-signing Corey Crawford leaves us here as Blackhawks fans, and uh, it could be bad. Uh, It could be bad, especially if the defense doesn't really improve here. But um, that was number one of our initial signings there. Um, Obviously not the headliner on that day. Um, That was Dominic Kubalik, who we're going to talk about right now, Um, Ron. And this is the one that I think we can unequivocally say is the good signing no doubt Mm -hmm. Uh, two years 3.7 million annual average value for him um i our notes in here uh in our rundown for this podcast i said good signing definitely (laughs) but how long until it gets traded um i was big mad (laughs) thing happened you know still lingering over from that thursday into the friday so maybe i should have done it for my personal but i threw it out from the four feathers account um when the blackhawks posted the video of oh two more years of this and it was a bunch of dominic kubalik highlights yeah that's great but i quote tweeted it and i said uh with an asterisk 0.5 years uh they'll ship them off of the deadline so um sure. i that was just me being a little rash i don't think they're going to do that in year one um but you know just with the direction this team is going it, it just kind of or lack thereof direction wise um it, it just kind of you know got me a little fueled up but uh overall though i mean you, you can't discredit what dominic Kubelik did in his rookie year you just gotta hope he doesn't regress in year two
1: ron yeah absolutely and i i think the reason that I actually applaud Stan. This is probably the best move that he actually made so far in this offseason that we're breaking down today is getting Dominic Kulik, A, on a bridge deal. Two years is absolutely a bridge deal for him because he's, what, 26? He's still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, so two years, he'll still be in his prime when he comes up for that next contract. And a big reason for that is by then, a lot of money falls off the books for the Blackhawks. So that then will give them the ability to pay him whatever the hell he wants at that point. Um, here's what I, I, 25, by the way, Ron, 25, even better, super young. So yeah, he'll be 27 when that contract ends. So they can absolutely, absolutely lock him up to a six, seven year even deal. And he'll be in the prime of his career for that. Pretty much that length of the deal. Cause you know, a lot of people say a, a player's prime is usually between the ages of 28 and 32. So, you know, I would, I feel very good about that signing for the Blackhawks. Um, I feel even better about it because, this one didn't make Stan look like a clown, and then here's why I say that, because <laughs> Alex Debrinkit had one really good season, right? Had one really, really, really good year, and landed a 6.4 per season contract that made him the third highest paid forward on the team, only behind the obvious two in Kane and Tapes, and more than Saad, who was already making $6 million. Getting Dominic Kubalik, who just came off a 30-goal season at $3.7 million per year, is exactly what they should have done with Alex Dabrinkit, if you ask me. Uh, now, granted, maybe Dabrinkit gets a little more because you drafted him. He's still much younger. I mean, he's only, what, 22 years old? And, you know, he had a, what, 40-goal season, I want to say? Um, he was 41. 41 that year. So his he obviously had a bigger number than Kubelik did. Now, granted, Kubelik probably could have gotten closer to 35 if they actually played a full 82 games. But I applaud Stan for not doing what he did with Dabrinkit because he said, you know what? Let's get a reasonable number for this guy. And I thought he was going to come in and probably the four and a half range. So getting him at 3-7 is really, really good. That gives you a lot of cap flexibility still. Um, he's a small enough contract where if you really do, if Stan does and you know, have him for a year and a half and they trade him in that second year of that contract, that's a small enough contract you can move it very easily. God forbid that they just decide to go into a total tailspin. But like you said, he's young enough where if they are in fact rebuilding – and I say that with air quotes, rebuilding, he can absolutely be a part of the future plan. So I, I just applaud this, this signing. I was super happy about it. I actually got off the golf course and I, I, that was the first signing I saw. So I was pretty happy about that um, on that Friday. So, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, even the Subban signing, I mean, it's a, it's a low risk, you know, middle of the road reward, I guess. For a guy like Suban, 850 k is not much for two years. You know, if you wanted to more or less just bury him in the minors, you absolutely could. Um, so it's really, I, I think, you know, that first day of signings, honestly, for the Blackhawks taking care of things kind of internally, I think they did a very good job.
0: Yeah, from a number standpoint, absolutely, Ron. Uh, my, my gripe was just with uh, Subban, the player. Uh, I I, just, I really Fair. do not see NHL value um, with him. And But, you know, like you said, then we look back at the numbers, though, because it's a big part of this. Um, obviously, uh, with balancing cap, we've known about the cap issues for years um, and some ones that they're still enduring right now, um, that does uh, help offer flexibility. So uh, we, we'll leave those two on a bit of a positive note. Um, obviously, you know, uh, if Dominic Kubli can maintain um, that's gonna be fun to watch. The guy is just fun to watch in general. So, um, Absolutely. I am looking forward to that one for sure. So, um, let's move on to something that is, you know, uh, like that we left that on a positive note, This one, uh, is going to get Ron's, uh, you know, blood boiling here. This is the Brandon Sod trade. Of course, uh, if you have not listened to four feathers podcast before, uh, Ron is definitely the biggest Brandon Sod fan in the world. Um, so yes. that's, I'll just preface it with that, but let, let's break down the move here. Um, to Colorado, Brandon Sod and Dennis Gilbert, Hawks retain one million of Sod's contract to Chicago, Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm, both defensemen. Zadorov was an RFA, so the Blackhawks acquired his rights and then he signed the Blackhawks qualifying offer of 3.2 million. And that is just for this year, one year contract um, for Nikita Zadorov. So, um, Run, I put in the bullet points here, go off, Um, (laughs) go ahead, and
1: you have the floor, and then I will follow up on whatever you say. So here's my thing. Anybody that follows our group, and I say the Four Feathers group as a whole, so Patrick Kaminsky, Austin Padu, Pat Bodeway, myself, Johnny, Tony, you probably saw my tweets after the Brandon Saad trade because I'm pretty sure I sent off, uh, I started it with a 5 tweet thread of how upset i was more so about not even about necessarily brandon sod being moved but the the kind of the greater picture here and we're gonna dive into that real quick here um and then i kept proceeding to just pile onto it i actually had a tweet then the next day um that is i think still going i think it has like 500 and something likes i don't think i've ever done that well on a tweet before and it was something super simple but again i was just i was on a run i was feeling it so Um, now I actually get to communicate it, not through typing things out. I actually get to yell and scream about it a little bit. So here we go. Dennis Gilbert. I don't really give a fuck about Dennis Gilbert. He was, he was useless. 300%. Yeah. He
0: was,
1: he was good. You know, uh, some stupid penalty hitting some guy in the boards once a game slow was nothing special. So, you know, best wishes to him. Hopefully, you know, even if he's just an AHL career guy, Colorado Eagles are a good team. So, you know, he's going to a good AHL team if that's the case. Um, Here's what pisses me off about the, the sod trade. I'm not even mad that they traded sod because I'll be frank with myself. I, I saw the writing on the wall. I kind of mentally prepared myself for this one too. I still wasn't mentally prepared for it when it happened <laughs> naturally, but Yeah, I, I mentally prepared myself for from, it from, from a
0: contractual standpoint. This one yes. made the most sense. I think right. that's what you're driving at
1: here. Exactly. Ex- expiring contract, you know, $6 million, which for what he does in today's NHL is actually a very good contract. Um, but here's where I get pissed off is the return, right? And it's not – It's there's nothing against Zadarov and Lindholm. I, I I think Anton Lindholm provides good organizational depth. He's a good guy that if you have an injury, i.e. a Calvin DeHaan, you know, we love Calvin DeHaan here at Four Feathers, but, you know, he has an injury history. and We're just speaking the truth here. Lindholm is the type of guy that could come in and play on your third pairing and realistically be at least good enough and get the job done. And and he's cheap, so great. You know, I think that's, it never hurts to get, if you're telling me just straight up the trade was Gilbert for Lindholm, I would feel like the Hawks won that trade in terms of getting that depth defenseman. And even Zadarov, you know, I know I was like, really? Zadarov? You know, but our, our guy, you know, Blackhawks D-Zone, Austin, you know, kind of walked me back a little more on being like, okay, you know what? He's young. He's what, 25 years old, I believe. Um, 3.2 is not awful in today's NHL for a, at least decent defenseman on this team. He's probably realistically a second pairing guy, potentially um, he'll probably play more on the third pair if we're being completely honest with ourselves, but you know, he's, he's a nice addition. He's you know, he's big. He can hit he, his stats defensively are actually pretty solid. Um, he has a lot of defensive zone starts and he has favorable numbers for the amount of defensive zone starts he has. So that I don't hate. Here's where I get pissed off. If you're telling me, Oh, we're, we're doing this to shed cap. You only shed $1.8 million a cap net because you retained a million on Saad. So he's only $5 bucks going to Colorado now. And you brought in a $3.2 million defenseman. So great. You didn't move any fucking cap space. There we go. We'll just make it explicit right out the gate now. But and here's what drives me nuts. You're telling me you couldn't get a draft pick for Brandon Saad? Fuck. Devin Taves from the New York Islanders got two seconds from Colorado. From the same team, weird, they actually had draft picks that you could acquire. And look, Devin Taves is a great defenseman. I think he absolutely warrants at least one second-round pick. I think he's a very good player. But you're telling me even you couldn't even get, like, a third-round pick? You couldn't get something? You could not get any draft capital? Because they're saying, oh, well, this is just a move for our future because Zadarov's young and Lindholm's young and great. Then why aren't you acquiring draft capital? You know, I'm more pissed at the trade because Stan is not following what he's kind of alluding to that this is going to be a rebuild so why the fuck don't you go out and get draft capital then i don't understand that that is what drives me nuts about this trade that's why i was legitimately pissed and then you know as the day went on and people are kind of you know sharing their analysis and their thoughts you know through twitter i totally agree with a lot of people why don't if you if this was what you were going to get for Saad, why not just hang on to him and trade him at the deadline because let's be frank a really good power forward at the deadline that can easily give you 20 to 30 goals in a season, probably commands you a first-round pick from somebody. Uh, yeah, and, at the deadline, probably, not at yeah.
0: start of free agency. Right,
1: correct. yeah, at the deadline, you you probably get a first-round pick and maybe a decent prospect. I'm not saying like a blue-chip prospect. Like, if this was a trade with Colorado at the deadline, I don't think you're getting a first and a guy like Travis Yost. But maybe you walk it back and say, hey, we'll take Travis Yost and maybe a second or a third. Like, that's the type of trade I would expect at the deadline, because it's a team that they're going balls to the walls to go for a Stanley Cup. They don't give a shit about giving up prospects. Look at what the Hawks did for so many years. That's why Philip Denault, Tuvo voteer well, the two-voteer one was just Stan offloading a dumb contract that he should never have signed. Love Bickle as a player. He wasn't worth $4 million. Um, but, and, 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 and here's the pattern, right? Bickle had one really good season. Gets him a contract he's not deserving of as of right now. And I hope he proves me wrong to it's kind of in that same boat. Um, that's why, again, going back to the League contract, even more so of a great contract. Anyway, back to me being pissed about Sotrich. I'm just, I'm frustrated because not, and they also retained money. It's not even like the full 6 million was going to Colorado. And that's all we got back. The Hawks retained money. The Hawks gave up a very good player that let's be Frank. If you put him on the wing with a guy like Nathan McKinnon, and Nico Rotnan or some shit like that. Oh my god. That that top six in Colorado arguably is the best in the league. I think the only team that actually makes me have that type of reaction right now with seeing their top six on paper is the Buffalo Sabres because of what they did to in Taylor Hall and throwing him into the mix with Jack Eichel. But just I'm just I'm just so disappointed in Stan because especially after the last couple of years, I'll give him credit where credit's due. He's made some pretty okay trades. You know, I think the Schmaltz trade in the long run was a good trade for the Hawks because look what he ended up getting from the coyotes. I don't think he was worth that in Chicago, you know, and quite frankly, I still expect the Hawks to re-sign Dylan Strom. And obviously he found success with the And he looked like a player more worthy of a first round pick like he was than what he was in, in Arizona, you know, and, and you look at all these other trades that he made. He offloaded Brandon Manning to get Drake Kajula. That was a great trade because Kajula was a really nice depth player. Do I think Kajula comes back? Maybe not, but who knows? We'll see. Um, you know, and so on and so forth. So that's where I'm upset about this. It's, it's not even the fact that they traded Brandon Saad. Obviously, yes, I love Brandon Saad. I wish him nothing but success. If he won a cup in Colorado, I obviously would not be upset about it. I think they're the only central team I don't totally hate. Um, and that's just maybe because they were so bad for so long. And, you know, they're a respectable franchise. But just son of a bitch, Stan. You're literally sitting here telling me that you couldn't get more for Brandon Saad than what you did. Especially with retaining a million bucks. Uh, I just... I, again, I, just to sum all the nonsense that I just spewed out of my mouth up, I'm frustrated with this trade because it does not align with the direction that Stan has been portraying to the fans. If they, if they want to truly build for the future and give young guys an opportunity, that's great. But then why not get draft capital? Because guess what? You build Good teams build through the draft. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning that just won the Stanley Cup. How many of those guys on that roster are homegrown? Majority of them. They they've drafted incredibly well over the years. Kucherov, Stamkos, Pilat, Tyler Johnson, uh, Alex Kalorn. The list goes on and on. Like there's guys that they've gotten in the fourth and fifth round that are making a, a legit impact on the team. Why couldn't you at least get a mid round draft pick at minimum or even a second? If it was a second Zadarov and a Lindholm, I'm a lot happier about this trade than I actually am. But son of a bitch, Stan, you dropped the ball on this one.
0: Ron, I love it. That's the energy that I was expecting from you here. Uh, that's kind of why I wanted to preface for the listeners uh, that you are the biggest, biggest Brandon sod fan in the world. And you, you make, yeah, you said nonsense. I wouldn't call it that. I think you made all legitimate points there and we were talking about, cause this is a business at the end of the day, you know, we can, we can go and love our players and all that, but you knew, you know, like you were talking about, um, you know, the, the sod trade, you know, at least moving that contract did make sense, but you know, maybe the timing of it, obviously uh, a, you know, screw up on stands. Uh, Uh, perspective there so um you made all good points and there's no need for me to rehash them because i do share a lot of your same sentiment so i'll move this conversation into the next phase of it and what we got back because it sucks um it happened and yeah i probably wish it didn't happen or at least waited until the deadline to happen uh because i love brandon sod too ron you know i got uh the t-shirt i got a i had an old one i got a new one um this past year when i went on the uh tour uh, of the united center for season ticket holders and they got a discount at the store and i ended up getting a brandon sod shirt so i'll still wear that thing proudly um so that, that you know but going into the you know what you didn't touch on here is the return. So that's done. That's over with it. It already happened. We can't go back in time and change it. I wish we had a time machine to do it to, you know, slap the phone out of Stan's hand when he's calling uh, Colorado's front office there. I do. I really. Volleyball wish spike. Too. Yeah, I, I really do wish we had that, Ron, but that's not possible. We don't have that, so let's look at what we got back. Uh, you, had, I think you gave a good uh, rundown of Anton Lindholm. I have not done too much research into him, but the gist that I get from reading a couple articles about the trade is that, um, you know, Col- first of all, Colorado, they were absolutely loaded. The, you know, you saw the runs that they've gone on the past two seasons. They're absolutely loaded. They've got, uh, you know, the best young defenseman in the game in Kale yeah. McCarr back there. They they had a bunch of different characters um, also back there um, that were, you know, not allowing uh, Lindholm to be a contributor at the NHL level. So, um, you know, people talk about the change of scenery, uh, maybe good for Anton Lindholm in a uh, sense that, you know, he will be one of those first guys up uh, Mm -hmm. and probably a little more reliable than your Nick Bodine or Lucas Carlson uh, when they come up, because those guys are still damn, uh, you know, um, they're still green. Let's say that. Uh, and that, that, that's an understatement there. So um, th- I think you give a good assessment of Lindholm, but uh, Zadorov. I, I did a little more uh, h- heavy research on him, and I spent about a good 50 minutes watching highlights plays uh, of Nikita Zadorov. You mentioned his underlying numbers, but I'm going to go and give you the eye test here, Ron. Um, sure, like you'd uh, put all the value, uh, the contractual stuff, the business standpoint of it aside, um, this is a heavy hitter um he absolutely smokes guys Nikita Zadorov does um he lights him up and then he's still able to get back into position which I think is you know great because that's something like you know a guy that we just set in that trade Dennis Gilbert granted still he's super young and that was his you know rookie year in the league but that was something that you know he would totally take himself out of position to do that Zadorov, yeah. sure of course whenever you make a big hit it, it is going to and you know I, we shouldn't you know be able to talk about oh well hitting doesn't matter well Austin Blackhawks D-Zone, our guy who specializes in D-Zone here uh, at the Four Feathers podcast, um, he'd said, you know, physicality. He made it a point when you were talking about, um, you know, what the Blackhawks can take away from the Lightning success. Um, And there was definitely some physicality there. Uh, It still has a place uh, in the game, and Nikita Zadorov brings a lot of it. And then also what I like, Ron, is it is a heavy shot that, Finds its way through. It has eyes through. I feel like a lot of, they did a much better, I will give them credit, they did a much better job in the playoffs of finding lanes. Um, I don't know if that was just a refresher. They got a, you know, different look after being off for so long and then, you know, kind of refocusing on that when they uh, resumed training camp and then, uh, you know, their first round series against the Edmonton Oilers. But it seemed like for the most part in the beginning of the season, a lot of stuff wasn't getting through. When Zadorov sends it, first of all, it's a fucking hard shot and mm-hmm. second of all it's able to get through and i uh, you know saw guys that were able to uh tip pucks in and now uh we're gonna get to some signings later that could maybe help uh, nikita zadora pick up some extra uh sec you know fr- uh, primary assist uh via the shot because we will have these guys in front of the net to either uh you know tip it in or, or clean up some garbage Uh, In front. We'll get to those signings in in the secondary signings in a moment here. But um, I can't be too mad about uh, seeing Nikita Zadorov. It's like you get that question, though, too uh, how long? Is it only just going to be one year here? But even if it is one year, um, I am excited to see. Uh, what he brings to the ice, because I think it's an element and a competent element that the Blackhawks have not enjoyed in a while, basically since Brent Seabrook started his decline. Um, I really think it's been that long since we've really enjoyed that type of defenseman, Ron. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, but I just wanted to touch on that um, because you made all the good points about why this was a bad move and all the you know business aspect of it, but I'm going strictly on ice. I test here. Um, I am kind of excited to watch Nikita Zadorov play in an Indian head sweater.
1: No, absolutely. And I'll keep it short. I, I agree with you. you. You made so many good points about Zedora. But that's why I said the more research that and in kind of things I heard about him, um, kind of in the days and really even hours following the trade, I felt better about it, right? He's young. Like you said, he, he's a monster. He's huge. He just labels people. I mean, his hit numbers, I think he averages like three hits per game. And the, the closest to that, I think, on the Hawks was Connor Murphy. And he was at like, just under two maybe or something like that. So, I mean, he's, he's bringing a lot of physicality and I agree with you hundred percent. There is absolutely still need to, there's a, there's a need for physicality in the game. There's just not necessarily a need for the dumb shit in the game anymore. And that's why that's, that's the the evolution you're seeing now. And look at the teams that win in in the playoffs. They're still physical, hard to play against teams. And if you want to be a bitch to play against a guy like Zadorov, helps you do that. So I agree. I, that does make me excited about him. And I agree with you, too. I think the, the one-year thing with him actually works out okay because if he does pan out and becomes something that they were hoping he would be, great, then you re-sign him next year. If not, fine. It Really, essentially, then it's a wash because, let's be frank, Brandon Saad probably wasn't going to re-sign with the Blackhawks if he stayed anyway. I fully expected him to be traded either by the deadline or, you know, as we saw sooner. So, you know, it really then would just kind of be like, okay, we just did a, a one-for-one-year swap. So, at the end of the day, I don't hate the return of Zedorov and Lindholm. I just wish the Blackhawks had gotten more, as we mentioned, given the, the business side of it with the retaining of money and different yeah. things.
0: And for the future, with draft capital, like you Absolutely. talked about. Um, yep. Yeah. All, all good points on uh, both sides there, I think, Ron. Uh, that about wraps up the Brandon Saad trade. So let's get to the supplementary signings and another pawn returning, Ron. Chicago <laughs> marks the spot. I wrote an article about this. You can go check it out at On Tap Sportsnet. It's called Chicago Marks the Spot, What to Expect from the Blackhawks' New Forwards. Uh, they inked a pair of uh, new forwards at the beginning of, you know, that free agent frenzy started on that Friday afternoon that sod trade went down on the Saturday and uh, these signings came in the early of the next week, early part of the next week. Yep. And the signings were uh, I'll read them off for you here. Matthias Yenmark, former Dallas star. Uh, he signs one year, 2.25 million AAV. Um, and uh, it, Then Lucas Walmark was the other one, Uh, one year, 950K uh, for his cap hit. So uh, let's start with Matthias Yenmark, former Dallas star, kind of played a bottom six role run. uh, But he is, like I mentioned in my article, going to slot up in in a lineup like this that is now without Brandon Saad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I agree. I thought that was a great move by the, the Hawks getting a guy like Janmark. He's always been a guy that I enjoyed watching play in Dallas. Um, had probably a lot more success earlier in his career. And I think a lot of that was just because he was playing higher up in the lineup. Um, I think he played a lot of second line wing time, uh, in those early seasons in Dallas. Um, he had what, uh, I think it's like a a 15 and a 16 goal season in his first two years with Dallas fell off a little bit 15, 19. Thank you. Um, but over the last two years fell a little bit. I think he had six goals in both seasons actually, um, and about the same points, he's usually a twenty to thirty point guy the last two years. But as we mentioned, that's because of playing lower in that Dallas lineup. You know, he started kind of being relegated to more of a third and fourth line role in those second two years. So I don't hate. The, I actually really like the signing. A two two five is a very modest cap hit for a guy like him, especially if you can get the nineteen goal version of Matthias Janmark and not the six goal version, or even the fifteen goal version. You're telling me two two five gets us fifteen goals next year? I'm cool with it. Like that, that's a thumbs up signing for me. Um, and then the biggest thing I, I, I think I agree he does play a very similar uh, style to Saad, um, not nearly as effective as Saad as Saad's one of the best uh, possession driving players in the league, uh, despite his you know lack of goals to show for it. But uh, that dude, you know, that's why I think he'll have a monster in Colorado. But nonetheless, um, you know, I really like the I think he's a good you know kind of like you said he's kind of a poor man Saad. Um, and worse comes to worse if he's not playing. Lights out for you, and you don't want him to be a part of the future going down the road. Uh, he's on a one-year deal, so guess what? He's a, a trade deadline bait, if you ask me. Um, and that's what it screamed to me when I saw he signed a one-year, two-two-five contract. So, um, I, I, like you said, I like you know I like the signing. Um, I think you know it's a, like you said, a little bit of a downgrade from Saad, but he has that ability to kind of play up and down the lineup, and he plays that kind of gritty, hard to play against style. Uh, and the Hawks need more of that, so I'm a I'm a fan of that signing.
0: Yep, for sure, Ron. Um, A couple points that uh, after doing some research for my article um, and some points that I made in that article that I'll discuss here. um, When you talk about the downtick in production over the last two seasons, you got to remember that Dallas made a coaching change and then they had the situation where an interim came in. Uh, But either way, in those second two years of Matthias Janmark's time in Dallas, they played a much more defensive style system. Uh, much more defensive minded, whereas they were trying to high fly with Sagan and, and the big guns and Ben before that. And then they realized that, man, we're just getting scored on too much. Um, mm-hmm. So they really made it a point to implement that. And that was shown uh, by their goals. I believe uh, in their last season, they were 28th in the league uh, in goals. I believe I read that somewhere. So um, that does play a factor in the end marks downturn in production, offensive production. Um, but the one thing that I saw just going through some quotes, uh, he describes himself as an offensive player that takes care of the defensive end first. Uh, Jeremy Collin has talked about shoring up team defense, and that's not just defensemen, obviously. Uh, it's a total group effort from all five guys that are out mm-hmm. on the ice uh, at any given time. So um, a- adding a guy like Yanmark, uh, and then the one guy that we're going to talk about after this, Walmart, um, I think that really helps you um, from a bottom six standpoint when you already have defensive specialists like uh, David Campbell and Ryan Carpenter in the mix, so um, I think that you're going to see Jan Mark bounce up and down the lineup, run. I really do. I could see him on opening night. I could see. I could just see the line of Jan Mark. Um, Taves and Kubelik. I really mm-hmm. can. Like, I, that could totally be, I mean, you know, it, it could be, you know, varied a little bit, but I could definitely see that happening. And then I could also see him down uh, on the third line trying to, you know, protect for what Dylan Strom lacks in, in the defensive zone, um, you know, yeah. at, at a different point in the season. So I think it'll be uh, someone that you can kind of just plug and play uh, to try and jumpstart or maximize the scoring of guys. Like I mentioned a Dylan Strom, if he does, you know, come back and we'll get to him uh, at the tail end of this. Episode. Um guys like uh, Alex Debrinket if he needs a little lift. Um shit, even Dominic Kublik, he falls in a rut. Uh Kirby Doc, you want to, you know, obviously he's very good himself defensively, but say you want to have a guy who's a little more high flying on the other wing, uh, Doc in Yanmark and can lock that thing down defensively and let that other guy literally just be a rover, uh, find the soft areas and score. So I think that's mainly what Yanmark's gonna bring in. <coughs> Yeah, yeah. He will do a lot <laughs> of the corner work, he'll do a lot of the dirty work um, and so you may not see that offensive production. You know, I would guess probably better than last season. And also, we have to take last season with a little bit of an asterisk because they that was shortened. They played like 11 was 11 fewer games than a normal season. Uh, when the COVID pandemic hit and everything got cut off. So, everyone, you need to take that into account too when talking about these point totals. It's easy to just look at that and be like, oh, well, this guy's a bum. Uh, he's trending downward and why the hell just stand stand sign him? You know, so it, I think you got to be fair to be fair um, and at least mention that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he brings. But, you know, uh, another thing I like to do is because uh, we're, you know, we're very passionate fans here of the Blackhawks, I like to go and dig into what other, um, Fan bases think of the you know guy that is leaving that team. So I went and just read some posts from Dallas Stars uh, fans on both Reddit and on Twitter. Um, And they absolutely love the guy Ron. They love his effort. They said he is always going to be, you know, one of the hardest working guys on the ice goes balls to the wall, even if uh, it's not showing up on the score sheet. So um, I do like that drive. And I know it's easy to say, you know, oh, you know, he tries hard, loves the game, that kind of shit. Um, I hate those cliches as much as you do. But uh, I think that kind of effort will really help increase the pressure of the Blackhawks for check. I don't know about you.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. All great things said. I mean, that was, I think, a big reason why when he came up originally, kind of, again, tying back to Brandon Saad. That's why he became so loved, because he was that kind of balls-to-the-walls type player. And um, that's exactly what I said <clears throat> when Mark actually, I remember uh, talking to somebody about it, uh, another friend of mine that was a-, a hockey fan, when we were talking about free agents. And uh, I was like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, Matthias Janmark. I saw, you know, I think Friedman tweeted on Friday that like eight teams checked in on him or 12 teams. Like a lot of teams were in on Janmark. And I was like, that's a guy I'd like to see in a Hawks uniform. And then three days later, boop, he signs. I was like, oh, shit. All right, son of a bitch. Here we go. Uh, but another cool thing, you know, tying in, like you said, he's a hard worker, you know, the guy that loves hockey. And usually those guys are really good role players. He also said he wanted to come to the Blackhawks. He wanted to be drafted by the Blackhawks. He said that, you know, when he signed. So, clearly this was the place he wanted to be, and they were able to get something done. So, I mean, it could be a really great year for him, and um, I don't know his age off the top of my head. I think he's still young enough, though, where, again, the if TSCN you, mark is 27 years old right now. There you go. So, he's still—he's he's Brandon Sod's age, more or less. So, you know, if you wanted to, you know— have them as a part of the future, even if it was maybe just like on a two year deal after this one. And you know, that gives you that ability then to flip them at the deadline. Maybe that's second year down the road. If Mm -hmm. maybe they have a surprise year this year and they don't flip him at the deadline and maybe they flip somebody else or what have you, we don't know what the hell is going to happen, but, um, Nonetheless, I, I agree with everything that you said. Uh, I think he's, you know, the type of player that this team needs, just the balls of the walls. He's going to, you know, be responsible in the defensive zone. He has that scoring touch. He's shown it. He had almost, you know, he had two seasons of, better, you know, 15 or better goals. Uh, so clearly he's no punk when it comes to scoring. Um, so I'm excited. I, I, I thought it was a good signing for for the, you know, where the state of this team is. Um, and again, that's the type of guy also that you need to win cups. So I'm um, very excited about
0: okay I have two final thoughts on Yanmark and then we're gonna get into one of I know you and me will absolutely love this next one and we're gonna, so. we're, we are gonna absolutely you know um, you know drool uh, over this next one that we're about to talk about but final two thoughts on Mark, before we wrap up uh, this segment of it um one uh, dating back to your comment that you had mentioned about him wanting to be drafted by the Blackhawks and all that when he was talking in his uh, entry interview um, when they you know got him on the zoom call after he signed with Chicago um he was talking about you know getting back to some of his offensive ways and producing more at that end of the ice um he also said i think the way chicago plays suits me a little bit more Uh, and i think he's spot on with that you know it's easy for those guys to just throw out cliches like that uh but when you look at the systems like i mentioned earlier dallas really went to a defensive kind of shell uh more so which is kind of ridiculous to think about when they have guys like klingberg on the back end and then um you know um Miro Heiskin and one of the best yeah, yeah. Uh, young D men. And then up front, obviously, superstar and Sagan and Jamie Benn is always uh, banging around the net. So I just thought that was interesting that Jan Mark said that. Um, and I hope that does work out in his favor and he does kind of get back to those levels of the 15, 19. If you can get 20, that would be absolutely outstanding. You never know. Uh, A yeah. guy that's out in front of the net all the time. Um, that that was one on Yanmark, and then two. Uh, this is just a fun thing that I came through uh, as I was doing research for my article. On, uh, I found a good you know video some Canes fan put together of our next one for Lucas Walmark, but for Yanmark there is no long highlight tape but I found about three times where it was just him gashing the Blackhawks one in an overtime game, another one out in front of the net, just bully in one of our, you know, uh, rotating cast of defensemen that we've had there and, you know, banging a rebound home through whatever goalie it was at the time when, you know, Crawford was out injured. Um, So I'm glad to have that here and not have to play against that because he seemed like a thorn in our side uh, whenever we would play against the Dallas stars. So um, that was just my final two thoughts on, uh Matias Yanmark. Once again, uh he was signed one year two two five million cap hits. So that's Matthias Yenmark. Let's move on to our darling, Ron. Call him our darling because you and me have gushed over him in messages together. And none of the other Four Feathers guys really know too much about this guy, but you and I um have looked him up. We've I feel like you and me watch more canes games than your average Chicago fan probably does. Mm -hmm. Um Lucas Walmart, this guy. uh, So, yes, he he was technically a former Florida Panther. But uh, Lucas Walmart signed one year, 950 k cap hit. Ron, when we go to our bios, uh, our our Four Feathers pod bio on both Instagram and Twitter, Mm -hmm. what does it say? It says providing Blackhawks analysis, updates, and hot takes. I feel like we haven't had a hot take on here in a little bit. And I'm going to go and say Lucas Walmart could be the best value signing of free agency for wow. the money
1: that's being paid Best for value signing for, for just the Blackhawks or for any team in the for NHL. Any team. Ooh, I like that. And you know what? I, I'm going to build off that for you real quick. I'm going to hype that take up because, you know, I, I, like you said, we watched a lot of Canes hockey. I, I'm just a hockey nerd. I'll turn on whatever game is whatever on admittedly this playoffs, I think being a different time of year and everything kind of messed me up, and I didn't watch as much as I would have loved to, but um, yeah, it's just it's something about the way he plays. Uh, again, yeah. he kind of he kind of reminds me again a little bit of that Brandon Saad type of player. Um, again, Jan Mark and Walmark are very similar players. I think the difference is though is just Walmart brings so much more to the table because he can also play center. Um, you know, and 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 it's it's very rare. You know, he was playing a lot of fourth line time in Carolina. He wasn't playing a lot of even you know top nine time in Carolina. He was playing mostly fourth line time between center and wing. But what was more impressive is he's a better than 50% career faceoff guy as a center, which is awesome because we all know how much the Hawks, besides Jonathan Tate, suck at taking draws. Um, You know, and then on top of that, he's a guy that has shown in his career playing really in a fourth-line role majority of his career. He's put up 10 and 11 goals. Uh, Actually, he put up 12 goals last year if you include his time with Florida as well. So 10 and 12 goals in the last two seasons. Um, You know, playing mostly a fourth-line role. And what makes it even more impressive is he's a fourth line player, but he also plays power play and penalty kill. Yeah. Like I was everything. just about
0: to bring up yes. that.
1: Yep. He does everything. He does absolutely everything. And you know the way, you know, with how this Hawks team is built right now. I would argue he's one of their most skilled bottom six guys because you yes. look at this team right now and it's littered with bottom six guys. You've got David Camp, you've got uh, your boy Ryan Carpenter, Johnny Nani's absolute favorite player of the Hawks right now. Uh, you've got, you know, a Matthew Highmore. You've got an Andrew Shaw. You have a lot of those guys already that are true bottom six players. Walmart's a bottom six guy, but I think he's a bottom six guy with upside. You know, again, he can play center. Push comes to shove. If Curry Dock somehow gets stuck on a wing because they lack wing depth going into the season, maybe he's the top line wing with Kubalik and Taves. I would have no problem seeing Walmart as the third line center because I think he can absolutely do it and thrive yep. in the role. Uh, you put him with, maybe a a Matthias Janmark and like an Andrew Shaw if he's healthy. And that's a bitch of a line to play against. Yes, it is. That's a a line that I would never want to play against because they're they're all physical. They're all physical players. They're going to get into the corners. They're going to get after you. And again, Walmart showing that he is a competent center. He can be on your second, you know, your second power play team. Uh, So he can really replace Brandon Saad on that group if you really want him to. Um, And he can also go out there with. You know, Matthias Janmark Literally, potentially, this could be a a group uh, on the penalty kill. It literally could be Walmart and Janmark out there. We could call them the the two marks on the on the PK. Yeah. Uh, you know, at some point this season, or he could go out there with a Jonathan Taves, or he could go out there with a Ryan Carpenter or a David Camp. Like he just adds to that PK depth. Which again, the Blackhawks penalty kill last year was one of the best in the league. Uh, yeah. A lot of people forget that, despite you know their record. I think they were the tenth or ninth ranked penalty kill at the end of the season. So. Um, he just further adds to that. I agree with you. You know, I saw that signing and I kind of went, ooh. And, mm-hmm. and you know what, man? I, I know you said it's a hot take, but it honestly might not be that hot because I, I think you're onto something. That's
0: like I said, value. For each. It's, it's what, nine, 950K? Is that? I yes. Mean, One year, yeah, 950K.
1: Only, it's only 25K more than your max level entry level contract. So it's yes. absolutely nothing when it. And this so is comes
0: for a, a now, he's played over parts of four seasons in the NHL, but this will be his third full time year. So and he's he already has stuff. the experience. And he had experience on a good team. That was when the Canes, you know, were finally coming up uh, to the level of, you know, shit, they went to the Eastern conference final. Um, in one of his, you know, actually is, yeah, his first full-time year um, uh, down in Carolina. So like I'd mentioned, yes, also a former Florida Panther. He did get traded. Um, was that when the uh, Canes acquired Vincent Trocheck in a, you know, last ditch effort to try and bolster something uh, before uh, playoffs, obviously did not work out for them. Um, all the Canes fans, like I said, I went and gauge reaction from Dallas fans on Jan Mark. Um, Gauging reaction from Canes fans on Walmart. They absolutely love this guy for all those reasons that you discussed, Ron. The versatility playing, obviously, you know, kind of, you know, you'd think defensive specialist when you look at him, but then you're like, holy shit, he's playing on second power play unit. Oh, he's killing penalties too. Oh, but he's scoring like, you know, double-digit goals as a fourth-line center? What's yeah. going on here? What, what, like, how is this guy such a hidden gem? And that's why I had to throw out that hot take there. Um, I really hope I'm right on it. And if I'm wrong about it, you know, we can all you know, laugh and give me shit, and I'll take it and, you know, uh, laugh along with you. <laughs> but um, it's very low risk, as you talk about this. Very low risk, and I think the reward is very, very high um, for Walmart. And that's why you and I were such big fans uh, of this signing. And, um, you know, j- just a little bit more um, profile on him. Um like I'd mentioned, defensive specialist, probably uh, w- what you uh, you know think of first. And that sure is, uh, like you'd mentioned, at the faceoff, 50.9% uh, career. And then also uh, 104 uh, penalty kill time on ice per game uh, for the Canes before he was traded to uh, Florida last year. So obviously that was the majority of the season that he played in Carolina. So um, 20, 25 points in his first two full-time uh, action seasons. And I think he even logged, uh, uh, actually potted at least one Uh, in those first two when he was just coming up into the league and you know an ahl call up there so um with david camp and ryan carpenter uh ron uh, the next point here was what's the implication for the bottom six you really let them just be their defensive specialist because you know remember last year at the beginning before we really brought uh blackhawks d zone on we gained a greater appreciation for david camp it was just like is this guy ever going to do anything you know and now it's like well, you don't have to worry about David camp doing something. Obviously you'd like any contributions that you get, but Lucas Walmark can be that offensive bottom six guy. And, and I really truly believe that, uh, just watching his I'd mentioned, uh, when I was looking for highlights on these guys, Janmark didn't really have a full like tape of, you know, highlights all strung together, but a Canes fan put together one on Walmart. And, uh, you're talking about his 11 goals as a cane in the 2019, 20 season before being traded to Florida. Um, pretty much all in front of the net man this guy is just absolutely banging bodies out in front creating space uh fighting through uh defensemen to go and sneak a rebound in uh, he's got good hands when he's in tight there um i just loved it uh the more i just learned about this guy the more i loved it and then i go back and look at the uh, uh you know what he signed for the cap at 950k that's nothing for what this guy is going to bring to the table ron uh i'm super pumped for it um mm-hmm. i know this is kind of you know uh, not trying to you know go over the moon over a you know bottom six forward here, but I really do truly think uh, that there is the potential for him to be the best value signing of this NHL free agency, uh, this year. So, um, yeah, yeah going to be fun to watch him. Uh, and it'll just be interesting. Like I said, uh, to see how Jeremy Colleton deploys the bottom six. Um, I would, you know, uh, just, uh, as we were talking about this, you talked about him playing center. Um, I would definitely throw him in a center role, whether you're going to go third or fourth with him because Matthias Yenmark, I would not put him at center. Uh, I know he Absolutely. did play some center during his time in Dallas. Uh, but that was, you know, he moved off of that. Yeah. I think he had a, what, 30, 8.3% career faceoff dot. That's not the guy you want there. It's maybe you know someone who comes in after someone gets kicked out of a draw. Um, it's an okay option to have come in and, and take that secondary after that, um, or like you know on a penalty kill something like that if someone's being super aggressive trying to win it and then end Mark's the one that comes in there. That's not bad. But Lucas Wallmark, you know what you're getting. Um, you know, fifty a little over 50% of the time he's going to win the draw. Um, so I, I think that makes like you'd said the penalty kill better, and I think that that could be a weapon on the uh, um, second power play as well. I don't know how they will shuffle units, exactly what that's going to look like now. Um, but, but I can totally see him being utilized in that and offering a different element because um, as much as Dylan Strom ha- has some skill and whatnot, he's not your best net front guy. He just plays there because of his size. That's it. Mm-hmm. That is strictly it uh, down there. I would totally yeah. if I would if there comes a point I, I and it's, you know, things still aren't working and you're still trying the same shit with Strom, I would totally be in favor. Uh, just moving Walmart and telling Dr- Dylan Strome to go fuck himself for the power play. Seriously,
1: yeah. Well, and just kind of you know to to you know answer that uh, kind of build on what you just said, but also just kind of about the bottom six in general. With Walmart, you know, I mean, you look what happened with Dylan Strome. He got kicked off the top power play unit once they realized Kirby Doc could handle the front of the net abuse. Um, and who knows? Maybe now, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, and I'm sure. If somebody listens to this and really, really wants to tweet at me, you know, my Twitter account, you can absolutely come and take a shot at me. I have no problem with it. I like the banter. The banter is fun. Um, But, like, I wouldn't even be mad if they wanted Kirby Doc to have a more prominent role on the second power play unit of having Walmart be the front net guy on the first unit. Because that could be an option as well. You know, if he's willing to get the shit kicked out of him in front of the net for Taves, Kane, you know. Kubelik and probably Duncan Keith unless they think Boakfist is ready to take over that role on that top power play unit you know if he's willing to take the dirty shit for those guys to do you know the pretty stuff and then you can load up guys like Strom, Doc, Dabrinkit on that second unit and maybe you put Janmark on that second unit as well now all of a sudden you have actually two competent power play units which that second power play unit last year just befuddled me at times because they just could never get anything going it was just not yeah, they, and I think just because of the personnel they were putting out there with it, too, it's not a shot at any of them, personally. I just don't think they kind of meshed as a unit. They were just kind of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what happened. Yeah. Um, because they found their their guys on that top unit, right? They figured out League had that nasty one-timer. Mm-hmm. You know, Kane was obviously Kane. Taves is obviously Taves. Even Duncan Keith, especially in the, the play-in series and then even in that, uh, that first-round playoffs versus Vegas— you know, looked good as the power play quarterback. And he's shown over the course of his career that he can do it. He's maybe not your top option for it, but he can do it, Um, you know, and, and just kind of adding on about Walmart, uh, you know, the implications for the bottom six, I agree with you. I think that allows guys like Carpenter uh, and David Camp to really just kind of quote unquote, stay in their lane and just do what they do so well. Um, I mean, hell, we saw Ryan Carpenter at times last season be the second line center for the Blackhawks because, you know, either Strom wasn't getting it done excuse me, or just whatever the case was, you know, they were just trying anything. So at least now you have a guy like Walmart that let's say Strom isn't getting it done as the two. And maybe you do want doc as your, uh, a wing just to load up, you know, with two top heavy lines. Maybe, maybe Lucas Walmart, sees some time as a second line center this year, who the hell knows? Uh, or yeah, Lucas Walmart. Um, it, it, when we're talking Janmark Mark Walmart, I got to like catch myself. Before I know. I say their <laughs> thing it's so close and it makes yeah. me giggle because of how close it is, but um nonetheless, you know I think it, it it's great that they add this bottom six step. The problem is, and I, I know we'll touch on this a little bit now in in this next section that we're gonna get to here, so I'll just kind of briefly glance over it, but like it almost feels like they have too many bottom six guys now, so it's like, what yeah. the hell do you do with some of these guys and and the names that I'm thinking of in my head we have on our rundown here, so i' I'm, I'm gonna leave that for then, but that's just kind of my going away question there now is like, all right, you have all this great bottom six depth now, it, you know, even though Yonmark and Walmart have both shown they can play up and down the lineup. Now, what the hell do you do with all of it and who slots in where, and who's kind of the odd man out of that entire group. So um, something I'm sure that we'll debate here on four feathers at some point this off season, uh, once the roster starts to shake out a little more um, as the, you know, 2020 propose. I guess it would be more of just a 2021 season, really when it starts. But Um, Whenever we get closer to that, I'm sure we'll debate it.
0: Yep, for sure, Ron. Um, I, like, I don't want to go and make – I was I was about to start an article the other day about the bottom six bunch up, uh, but I think that's going to have to be saved uh, for a later date um, because I just don't know. I think we're still too far out right now. So uh, when it gets to that time, uh, we will uh, discuss uh, what we think is going to happen uh, lineup-wise here for the Blackhawks in 2021. But let's move on. What's next? Um, obviously, we already went over all of the transactions that went down um, – since uh, the free agent period opened here. But uh, what's next here? Uh, they probably have some decisions to make. So there's a great deal of uncertainty surrounding Brent Seabrook, Andrew Shaw and Zach Smith uh, to run down. These guys, Brent Seabrook, uh, we're getting bionic Siebes back. The contract obviously is immovable. Um, he, you know, came back and was practicing, obviously did not. Uh, was not part of that playoff roster uh, still healing up. But the fact that he was back in skating uh, when they got all got together at the, you know, what ended July, beginning of August uh, for, or was actually no, it was beginning of July. Uh, really, yeah, when when they started that up. Uh, the fact that he came back so quickly from three uh, big surgeries there, um, you have to imagine he's going to be there. So that, that takes care of Brent Seabrook, Andrew Shaw. Uh, a lot. That's honestly just a big question mark at this point. Is he even going to be healthy enough? Is he ever going to play in the NHL again? Uh, these are questions that obviously don't. Like to you know, ponder that, but you really do with this concussion history. Another one, um, Zach Smith, what do you do with him because he's like a three point two five uh, cap hit yep. for this year. Um,
1: definitely a buyout candidate. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, Ron. Yeah, I'm like I said, that that's kind of where my thoughts were going because there are a lot of uncertainties with the the three guys that you just mentioned. Seabrook, I, I honestly think, especially after hearing how much he played through and how much pain he played through over the course of his career, he said he was dealing with those, some of those injuries for like nine years. So the fact that he essentially played through the cup runs with those injuries is unbelievable. Obviously, his age doesn't benefit him coming back. And he, I'm not saying he's going to step in and be the Blackhawks' best defenseman on night one. But I, I think he's going to at least be that much better. And that what we originally thought was him just falling off, it would decline with age. I think will be a lot less of a decline, if that makes sense. Um, yes, I, I think he'll be, he'll be stable. I'm not like, again, I'm not saying he's coming in playing top two, you know, pairing minutes or anything, but I think he can, he can get the job done and still give you, if you needed him to maybe 20 minutes a night, but realistically, I think the sweet spot with him is about minutes. And I think that's fine. You know, and even if he's your seventh guy and you rotate him with, you know, some of these youngsters, maybe if they think Ian Mitchell's ready and you kind of rotate him and Ian Mitchell playing with Zadarov, um, I wouldn't be shocked, especially with getting Zadarov now if Mitchell starts the year at Rockford, but again, save that for another discussion. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. And really, Shaw and Smith, I would argue, are both buyout candidates, right? I mean, Smith agreed is, you know, he's a three two five cap hit. For what he does, especially with what they just got in guys like Mark and Walmart, he's kind of expendable. I mean, it's he, redundant.
0: It's very redundant.
1: Exactly. They have a lot of the guys with the same yep. skill set, so... Uh, for, much a, for much cheaper.
0: For much cheaper. That's the big.
1: Yeah, key. yeah, and so I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. Um, I mean, they, the, the buyout actually window is already come and gone. So, you know, I, I, I'm at the point now where like, what the hell do you do with Zach Smith? Um, is he just gonna? I could also another. I did not put this in the
0: notes, Ron, but a long-term injured reserve. Both him and Shaw could possibly be candidates for that, and depending on the severity of their injuries.
1: Yep, and that's exactly where I was going with it because with Cause Shaw Zach- right now.
0: Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Zach nope. Smith did not skate when they all came back um, for training camp. Just making that
1: clear. And maybe, maybe that's something the Hawks knew about. Maybe they were just like, "Hey, look, man, we'll we'll pay you for this last year. You're probably done because he's, he's getting up there in age." Or, or maybe they're like, "Hey, we just think you're done with our organization. We'll give you a year to get healthy, and then we'll let you go to the free agent market and try and get another, you know, one or two year contract or something." Um, but yeah, I mean, that three two five is easily, you know. Like you said, it's easy to put on the LTIR. Shaw, probably the same way. I, I would have to look it up. Normally, I'm really good with knowing the contracts off the top of my head or being smart and pulling up a site that will show me those, which I'm in the process of doing right now. But I'm just trying to talk out my ass until I get there. Um, <laughs> Shaw's three nine, though. Yep, yeah, I knew he's three nine. I'm just trying to see how many more years he has because I'm pretty sure he's still through. It's through 2021-22. Uh, 20, okay, so is it only two years left then? Yes. Okay, so that's I guess that's not too terrible. So, yeah, I mean, realistically, Shaw could end up as just an LTIR candidate as well, even for those two years, especially if the concussions really screw him up. And realistically, that probably yeah. ends his career if he's got that bad of concussion problems. I mean, he's just, again, his play style over the course of his career just unfortunately kind of warrants to that, the way he plays. It's, you know, there's, a, there's one thing to play balls to the walls. It's another thing to play balls of the walls with your head as your battering ram. Uh, and that was kind of what Shaw was yeah. for most of his career. So... I would love to see Shaw come back and be healthy because I think he just adds to the depth of this team. And quite frankly, I think if he has a really good season and he is healthy, he's a guy that you can move at the deadline too. And uh, I'm sure a contender with the cap space would love it. And I'm sure the Hawks would be willing to eat at least probably half of that contract. Yep. You know, and that way he's only a 1.8, 1.9, maybe a flat 2 million going to another team or even a 2.5. I think Shaw at two, 2.5 isn't terrible, uh, especially on a contending team that wants that balls of the wall's bottom six guy. So- Again, I never wish injuries upon anybody. So I would love to see these guys skating. I just like you said, at least I think the one thing with Shaw is he has a skill set that would be useful to the Hawks. So as long as he's healthy, I think they're happy about him being healthy. Um, But with Smith, it's just especially with guys like Walmart and Camp and Carpenter. It's just like he like you said, his skill set is unfortunately redundant and he's the most expensive of that group. So uh, I'm really intrigued to see what happens with those three guys. Again, we you mentioned at the top of the show alliteration the the Seabrook Shaw and Smith uh, combination yeah. are the are the big question marks right now uh, for this Blackhawks team moving forward. So um, we'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, a lot of time still for this off season, obviously uh, things can happen between now and the, the beginning of the the next season, whatever that might be. Um, but I would I would be really intrigued if I, I would be actually shocked if if Shaw or Smith are skating this year just because of that injury history that you mentioned. I think we see Seabrook uh, quite a bit in this coming season, but I don't know about the other two.
0: Yep. Uh, A good rundown there, Ron. I think that capped it off nicely here. Last note I have um, in here is uh, Hawks will take their time with a Dylan Strom deal. Uh, If you know, we talked about him a lot. We mentioned his name a lot in this show. Like he was still like part of this thing. Um, But we say that because the Hawks have all the leverage here. Uh, Dylan Strom does not have arbitration rights. Um, so he's, the, he's at their expense, Um and they can basically do what they want and wait pretty much as long as they want. You remember Brendan Perlini signed one like the day before the season started uh, last year? They, they could do that if they wanted. I don't think they will because Dylan Strom's a little more high-profile name than that. I think it'll get done, but... um probably even I wouldn't be shocked if it uh waited another 2 months uh, until it got done but predictions on cost um I threw out a number here um approximately 3.5 million um in term D- any uh, any idea here that's uh I was just wondering I just threw that out as kind of a baseline and basically hit me with over under uh, on that Ron.
1: um I think under but not much under uh if that makes sense 3.2? I think it comes in- yeah, I would say probably somewhere between the the two eight to three two range. Um, obviously, three kind of being the soft sweet spot in the middle. Um, I realistically think it's more of the three to three two five range. I think is where we ultimately see him come in. Uh, the Blackhawks obviously do have enough cap right now. Um, I think they have about five million bucks, and maybe a little over five, probably closer to six um, to spend. So you know, fitting him in under three five is completely doable. Um, I, I just think the Hawks are still trying to make other moves. Um, yeah, I, I for think sure. you know maybe they're trying to unload a contract. Um, and I'm not even saying like unload a Brent Seabrook or a Duncan Keith. I'm saying more like unload maybe a Connor Murphy or unload unfortunately as, as much as this literally is gonna taste like vinegar coming on off maybe a Calvin DeHaan. So I think yeah. there's still kind of some things in the works too. And I'm sure they're communicating that to Strom and his kind of team that he has, and they're just like, hey, look, man, like we want you back. This isn't like a we're not sure thing. It's just like we're trying to let us make the moves we need to make so that way we can give you the money that you're kind of hoping for. And honestly, I don't think he gets more than two years. Um, I would be shocked, actually, if he actually got two years. I think it's actually going to be a one-year contract.
0: Ron, you just read my mind here. I don't even know yes. what you You just read my this mind. Is... I was about to say he gets those arbitration. Yeah, I said he didn't have them this year, so that's why he's kind of at the Hawks disposal or yep. expense here. Yep. He has them next year. So it would probably be in his best interest to sign one, especially with, you know, how it was kind of uh a little bit of a downtick from his initial boom that he had when he first came yep. over in the Nick Schmaltz trade. It's probably behoove him and his agent to sign one year. And for that whatever that we're talking about in that window the two eight to 3-3 three, three is probably where it'll yeah. fall in. I think that's realistic. Um, it probably, like I said, smart for him to do that. So then he has those Arborites next year when he's an RFA
1: again. Absolutely. And just to continue adding on to your point too, um, you know, if I'm Dylan Strome, you're like, all right, cool. You yeah, know, I'm going to make about 3 million bucks this year. Probably going to play with my buddy it. Hopefully, you know, he, I'm sure he's thinking, hopefully him and I have a rebound season when we get Cat back to those 40 gold numbers because chances are, Strom's getting a lot of those assists probably if they're playing together. So uh, if I'm Dylan Strom, I'm kind of looking at this and going, what, I'm only, what, 23 years old? Like, I'm in a, a good situation where I'm probably going to see mostly top six time. Um, you know, I'm a big center. I, I got a lot of room to grow still. And he goes, and like you said, with, with being able to arbitration, he's like, I'm going into this year with a chip on my shoulder. I'm looking to put up 25 goals and 35 assists and have a fucking 60-point season because all of a sudden now when you're in Arbright's, <laughs> he's looking for north of $5 million bucks a year probably. Um, you know. And then obviously at that time, that's a decision that the Hawks have to make, um, whether they walk away from it or you know they trade his rights or what have you. So I, I, I agree. I think it just, especially with the cap being the way it is too, not going up guaranteed, I think they said, for this year and next year. Um, that flat cap is really going to hurt a lot of people. Um, the only person it's not going to hurt. So I was reading something today. Um, I believe it was, uh, Pierre Lebrun, um, that published it. He was talking about Eric Holla, who's still a, a free agent, arguably the best center on the market, uh, even heading into the free agency. Cause it was a very thin center market this year, you know, but he's still waiting on a contract. And a lot of it is because he's probably trying to get a two to three year contract. So that way he avoids next year's Probably brutal free agency period for a lot of guys. But the difference is, like you mentioned, if Strom has arbitration rights, he can still ask for a shit ton of money and at least have the opportunity to, you know, back it back down from there. Um, Where a lot of those free agents that are going to hit the market next year, guys like potentially Matthias Janmark and Lucas Walmark, who we just talked about, aren't going to really have a ton of bargaining power next year. because A lot of teams are going to be in cap crunches with these young guys that they have already on their teams getting raises. You know, which is what we're seeing this year happening with the Hawks right now, because the six point four for DeBrinket kicks in this season now. Starting, you know, you're going to see a lot more of that. So, so some of these guys are going to struggle. But Dylan Strom's kind of in, like you said, that power position where, yeah, 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 no problem. I'll take that one year contract at a nice number. I mean, three million bucks is still three million bucks, and you know, and even then, I think he's warranted at least three because, you know, I, I I saw the stat ever since he was acquired. The only three players on the team that have more points than him are DeBrinket, Taves, and Kane. Um, you know, he's, he was hurt a little bit last year. I think that's what made that point total fall, but he was well on pace to probably be a 45 to 50 point player, um, which he was the season before. And he was very consistent, uh, up until he missed some time with injury. And then they started screwing with him on where he was playing in the lineup. So, um, A bit of a long-winded answer, but I think yeah, like you, you brought up a great point. You know, Dylan Strome's in a a really good power position to take that one-year contract and say, "I'm going to have a beast of a year," so that way I can cash in, you know, next season.
0: Yep, for sure. Uh, I think that's a very good uh, roundup of it. So we will, uh, you know, see what happens. Dylan Strom. like I said, don't be shocked if it takes a couple months, though, because uh, the Hawks pretty much have the say uh, at this point about when things get done. So um, that does it. That was our, uh, what did I call this? The Transaction Torrent Edition, uh, Season 2, Episode 2 of the Four Feathers Podcast. Our, our last point in wrap-up here. Ron, sad day in hockey as Doc Emmerich, Mike Emmerich, legendary broadcaster, NBC, uh, NHL and NBC. You've heard him there calling all the major playoff games, all the primetime games, all the Wednesday night rivalry when it was that Wednesday night hockey as of most recently. Um, All of those, all the winter classics, Mike Emmerich retiring, stepping away from the microphone. I believe he is 74 years old. What a hell of a career. And, um, you know, it was a soundtrack to three Blackhawks Stanley Cups in recent memory for blackhawks fan so uh, i shared a little video out from the four feathers podcast twitter account uh kind of went a little bit viral within the hawks community um got some good engagement on that so you can go and check it out though but it's kind of a um you know the 17 seconds, uh, both goals in there, um, and it, it just gave me chills uh, when I went and watched that again, and you know, just knowing that you're not going to hear Doc's voice again, you got you to gotta take in and save those moments, Ron. So uh, stick taps all around to Doc Emmerich, a uh, hell of a career, and uh, I think you speak for all hockey fans, not just Blackhawks fans. Uh, we love you, Doc.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We we definitely love Doc Emmerich, and I, I don't know why, but early in my hockey career of, of being a hockey fan, I for whatever reason, was like, I don't understand him. And I was really young, too, and I think that was part of it. And as I grew older, I grew the appreciation for him in the booth. And, um, you know, my in my own you know life, obviously, doing the podcasts with you and everybody else here at ONTAP Sportsnet, uh, as well as, you know, having the pleasure to call football games for my alma mater, St. Xavier University. I just I grew so much more appreciation for who he was as a broadcaster and really who he was as a man. Like you hear all these great stories just about how good of a human being he was. And, you know, a lot of times that gets, you know, kind of lost when you, you, you identify somebody by their voice like you do with a guy like Emmerich. And it got to a point where, you know, Emmerich and Olchek was the dynamic duo and yeah, listening just- to them was synonymous with big games in hockey um you know and I, for anybody that hasn't watched it yet i highly recommend you after you're done listening to this podcast go watch it um but the nhl on nbc twitter account put out uh kind of like a little video he put together and it, it's it's awesome it's like four and a half minutes it's well worth the entire watch because he talks about you know getting into his career and starting out as a broadcaster and like Gordy howe is still a red wing and bobby hall was still a Blackhawk, and you know, Bobby Orr was still a Bruin, and he's like, you know, and all those guys go to the Hall. And then he talks about their kids. He's like, you know, and then you you had you know Mark Howe and and uh, and Dennis Hall, or no, excuse me, and then Brett Hall. You know, both end up in the Hall of Fame as well. And like he just he just he eloquently takes us through his career. Like he, of course, we knew he would because it's Doc American.
0: Like, like he eloquently took us through so many hockey games.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And he he takes you through his career and he talks about the Winter Classics and. You know, he talks about going to Michigan Stadium for the Red Wings and, and Leafs. And he talks about the the Bruins and Blackhawks at Notre Dame. And, you know, and he just he hits on everything so beautifully. And it's just like, wow, like that man has got yeah. a lot of good shit over his career in the broadcasting industry. So I agree with you, man. Thank you to Doc Emmerich. Hockey will not be the same without him. I'm very intrigued to see who they believe will replace him in the booth for those national games. Um, but I don't, I it's just nobody's gonna be able to do it justice, and I almost feel bad for whoever gets that role yeah. because they they have a very big shoes to fill. But a hell of a career for him, you know. And and I'm sure you know he alludes to it in that video, that's why I said you got to watch it. I'm sure we'll hear something from him down the road. I'm sure he'll still do small things for the NHL and you know maybe like a content capacity. Um, but yeah, what a career he'll be in the Hall of Fame for hockey 100, and if he's not. Uh, I think we'll all riot because, like you said, Johnny, uh, there's there's a few things that are synonymous with me growing up as just a person. And it's, you know, the, all the great sporting events that we've seen in our lifetimes here for, you know, Chicago Championships. But that Blackhawks run, you know, like you said, it was magical and it's some of my favorite time as a hockey fan in my life. And, and Doc Emmerich was was the narrator for most of that, you know, besides for Pat Foley. And Eddie O was double-dutying uh, yeah, those two legends. So, I, you know, for me, it's it's really like those three guys is, you know, what I, I see is synonymous with hockey for me. So it's going to be weird not having him in the booth. But congratulations to Doc, and, yeah, we absolutely love him here.
0: Yeah, most certainly, run. Um, you know, one one thing I was going to mention after you said that, but you you know you went back and circled on it. Um, you know, Eddie O being his partner too, awesome that he was our play by play, you know, or excuse me, color commentary uh, along with Pat Foley in the Chicago booth, and uh, you know, uh, him and Eddie, uh, Doc and Eddie, uh, doing the national games. It was just you know, it's a soundtrack to uh, me, honestly, really growing up. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, it really was uh, just a pastime. So uh, the uh, Hashtag going around that NHL and NBC Sports started today was thank you Doc We used that in a few tweets there but Since we're on the podcast Ron you know how we like to do it here At ONTAP Sportsnet uh, Throw a few back we're going to crack them for Doc Right now So uh, mm-hmm. Doc that's for you we cheers to you um, Congrats on a hell of a career um, One before we go Ron
1: Favorite Docism Oh I saw this going around Twitter today, and I had to think about it for a while because he uses so many good ones. Um, waffle boarding is definitely up there. Yes, waffle that board, one's okay. That's that one. one's, that one's definitely up there. I think also. Um, oh, there's just so many. There's so many good ones. I'm sure I could go back I'll, and I'll, listen. Gi- I'll
0: give you mine if you want to think about it first. Yeah, second. yeah, yeah. So Please one go. that um, I play a lot of disc golf. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. and if you, if you've been out and know, or seen it, know what a disc golf, uh, basket looks like that you throw, you know, the Frisbees into it's a metal pole. Um, and then there's a basket that surrounds it and then it kind of goes up and, uh, there's some chains that come down that you kind of like throw into, but I put high and low. I, I don't miss wide left or right. So I put high and low and usually I put low and it hits that pole on the bottom. And with me watching as much hockey as I do, I pull out the dockism every time, even though it's, you know, going against me off the pipe. That's Mm got to be my favorite. My most used one for sure. Um, Off the pipe. That's my favorite dockism, Ron. And that's the reason why. How about you?
1: I I think I do have to go with waffle boarding. Uh, And for me, I think it's just from, you know, just the I think the uniqueness. Right. Um, Just a quick little story. Um, I've seen this actually a lot. I've actually now heard that other broadcasters do this so that actually made me happy that I wasn't totally unique in this in this circumstance. But a good buddy of mine who is a very creative individual uh, for games this you know for this first season that I was a color commentating on, uh, would give me like eight words or phrases to fit into the broadcast. And, you know, so you would have to like eloquently find a way to like snake it in. You couldn't just like drop it out there and just be like, oh, yeah, this, you know, you had to to make sense. Right. You know, and I I, like one I remember that he threw in there was uh, big boss pig toss. And I had to like work that in with like a lineman, like hucking some D lineman off the ball or something like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a big boss pig toss right there or something like that. You know, (laughs) but like it felt like Doc Emmerich had the dictionary in front of him every game and would just flip through and see which ridiculous word he could somehow, like, poetically fit into his broadcast, and he would do it. So for me, I think every one of them is one of my favorite because he was just, it, it literally was poetic. It really was. You know, he would use, like, he would use the word eloquently in a broadcast. Like, you know how hard that is to do? And he just, you know, he'd be like, oh, and, you know, and what a goal there is, you know. Jonathan Taves eloquently snakes through the defense and scores mm-hmm. a beauty top shelf, you yeah, know, whatever. And it's just like, again, he was just, he was literally just a walking poetry machine, man. And yeah. I, I, yeah. But waffle boarding is just, that one always made me giggle. Yeah. <laughs> was-
0: boarded away for a blocker save. If you weren't familiar with the term before, I'm pretty sure, you know, most hockey fans are, but if you weren't, that, that's what that's referring to um, as the blocker. I love that he used that phrase, waffle board, instead, though. A um, couple honorable mentions, uh, because this one makes me think of Dave Boland. Pitch forked away, Ron. Yes. When someone is really digging in the corners and they steal the puck away, Dave Boland was great at that. And I feel like I heard that multiple times during the 2013 Stanley Cup final um, because Dave Boland, you know, obviously he had the 17 seconds goal, uh, but you forget about some of the work that he did along the wall there and docs the soundtrack to that. Pitch forked away. That's another good one. So, and uh, spirited. I like when you use spirited. Yes. Instead spirited. Of, you know, yeah, that is that is a
1: favorite of mine. Is yeah,
0: it so um, yeah, uh, Ron. I think that uh, was good. I'm I'm glad we reflected a little bit on Doc here because that did just happen this morning. This morning being uh, Monday, October nineteenth, when we are recording this, you will probably hit uh, this will probably hit your airwaves um, by you know late Monday night uh, into early Tuesday morning. So that's what we were talking about. Just had to give uh, Doc the shout out there. Thank you, Doc. Cracking for Doc. Cheers. Have a little sip, and that does it, Ron. Um, that was episode, uh, you know, season two, episode two uh, of the four feathers podcast, obviously the big, topic here today was the transaction torrent we gave you the definition for that earlier uh in the show so we hope we did that justice um brought that to fruition so um that's about all i've got uh only thing other than that is make sure you go going to on for all your chicago sports literature and podcasting needs you can follow us on twitter and instagram at four feathers pod and at on tap sportsnet Um, if you want to talk banter a little bit with us, I know Ron mentioned it earlier. My personal Twitter account is at Nani Johnny, N O N N I E J O N N I E. And Ron is at R N L D L U C E. Um, that's Ron loose on Twitter. I am Johnny Nani, your host once again. So, um, One more thing, if you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. It helps us out so much. So, um, Ron, that is about all I've got. I think we only know how to close this thing down in one particular fashion. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.